Chapter fifty two of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty two for better for worse grandma jerry has promised to be my wife harold said to his grandmother that night and father i have promised to marry harold jerry said to arthur the next morning as she stood before him with harold's hand in hers and a look in her face something like what gretchen's had worn when arthur first called her his wife lord bless you i knew it was coming but didn't think it would be quite so soon you shock my nerves dreadfully arthur exclaimed springing up and walking two or three times across the room then confronting the young couple he said going to marry harold i knew you would all the time well he will do as well as any one to look after the business frank is no good and colvin is too old so get married at once within a week if you like i'm off for germany next month to find gretchen's grave and the house and the picture and everything and as i shall take you with me i shall need someone with brains to look after things while i am gone but father jerry began if i go to germany harold will go too and if he stays here i shall stay arthur looked at her inquiringly a moment and then as he began to understand replied ah yes i see where thou goest i go and where thou and so forth and so forth well all right but you must be married here in your father's house and soon too i'll engage passage at once in the germanic which sails the fifteenth of october and you shall be married the tenth that's three weeks from to-day and we'll give you a few days in new york i'll leave frank here till we return and then he must go of course and the new mistress step in with mrs crawford to superintend we will get some nice man and woman to stay with her while we are gone he had settled everything rapidly but jerry had something to say upon the subject she did not wish to come to tracy park altogether while mrs tracy was there she said and preferred to be married in the cottage the only home she had ever known i shall stay with you all day she continued but go home at night and so have a long walk with harold yes i see arthur said laughingly but assenting finally to her proposal it was jerry now who planned everything with harold's assistance and who broached the subject of frank's future to her father asking what provision he intended to make for him when he left tracy park what provision arthur said i guess he has made provision for himself all these years when my purse has been as free to him as myself colvin tells me there's been an awful lot of money spent somewhere yes jerry replied but you gave him permission to spend it and it would hardly be fair now to leave him with little or nothing and he so broken down when maud thought she was going to die and before she knew who i was she wrote a letter for her father and you asking him to give me what he would have given her and you to do the same so now i want you to give maud's father what you would have given me for maud's sake bless my soul jerry arthur said what a beggar you are i don't know what i should have given you all i am worth perhaps how much will satisfy you for frank tell me and it is done jerry thought one hundred thousand dollars would not be any too much nor did it seem so to arthur who placed but little value upon his money and jerry was deputed to tell her uncle what provision was to be made for him and that if he wished he was to remain at the park until his brother's return from europe frank was not in his own room but mrs tracy was and to her jerry first communicated the intelligence that she was to be married and go with her father to germany the look which the highly scandalized lady gave her was wonderful as she said married almost before the crape is off the door or the flowers wilted on maud's grave well that shows how little we are missed 
and i am not surprised though i think maud would be at harold certainly i suppose you know there was something between them but a man will do anything for money i wish you joy of your husband jerry was too indignant to explain anything and hurried off in quest of her uncle whom she found in maud's room where he spent most of his time walking up and down and examining the different articles which had belonged to his daughter and which at his request remained untouched as she had left them her brushes her comb her bottle of perfumery her work-box her bible her little half-finished sketch and the soft bed-slippers she had worn when she died and one of which he held in his hand when jerry went in to him it is so like maud he said with quivering lips and when i hold it in my hand i can almost hear the dear little feet which i know are cold and dead coming along the hall as she used to come and will never come again i think i should like to die here in this room and go where maud has gone and i believe i should go there i am sure god has forgiven me and maud forgave me too for i told her you did i thought so jerry said yes i had to tell her he continued and i am glad that i did and she loved me just the same you saw her die you heard what she said to me she must have believed in me and that keeps me from going mad i told dolly too and she said she'd never speak to me again as long as she lived and she didn't either until last night when i was alone in here crying on maud's bed then she came to me and called me frank and said she was sorry she had been so hard and asked me what we were going to do i'm sure i don't know do you he was so like a child in his appeal to her that jerry's tears came fast as she told him of her approaching marriage and what her father intended doing for him then frank broke down entirely i don't deserve it and i know i owe it to you whom i have injured so much he said while jerry tried to comfort him i must go back now to father she said at last and she went out into the hall where she encountered tom just coming from his mother's room hello tom cried with an attempt at a smile and so you are going to marry harold yes tom i'm going to marry harold jerry replied unhesitatingly as she laid her hand on tom's arm and walked with him down the stairs it seemed to her the most natural thing in the world that she should marry harold and she was not at all abashed in speaking of it to tom and when they saw harold coming up the walk the colour rushed to her cheeks and her eyes grew wondrously bright with the love-light which shone in them as she dropped tom's arm and hurried to harold's side by george i believe i'll go and hang myself tom said under his breath as he stalked moodily away but instead of that he went across the fields to le bateau where he sat for an hour talking with old peterkin and waiting for ann eliza who had gone to springfield her father said after a new gown for which he was to pay two hundred dollars think on it he continued when we was fust married and run the liza ann the best gown may jane had to her back was a mariner or balzarine dumb if i know what you call it at one and nine pence a yard but now lord land what's a two hundred dollar gown to me ann eliza can have forty on em if she wants to there she is there's the carriage by gosh though ain't she a neat little filly and the father's face glowed with pride as he watched his daughter alighting from the carriage to which tom had hastened in order to assist her for she was still a little lame and limped as she walked 
he saw the two hundred dollar gown for peterkin would have it displayed and admired it of course and wished that he had half the sum it cost in his own right and wondered if he could stand it as he walked slowly home where he heard from his mother that they were still to remain at tracy park for a while and that his father was to have one hundred thousand dollars settled upon him i guess now i'll wait a spell and let old peterkin go to thunder he decided and for two weeks and more ann eliza watched in vain for his coming while peterkin remarked to his wife that if tom tracy was goin to play fast and loose with his gal he'd find himself brought up standin mighty lively the news that harold and jerry were soon to be married and go with arthur to germany created some surprise and some talk too in town where many of the people had believed that there had been an understanding if not an engagement between harold and maud but tom put that right with a few decided words there had never been an engagement he said maud had liked harold very much and he had liked her but had always preferred jerry in short matters had been as good as settled between them long ago this last was a little fiction of tom's brain but the people accepted it as true and began to look eagerly forward to the approaching marriage which took place in mrs crawford's parlor with only a few intimate friends present grace atherton the st clairs ann eliza peterkin and the tracys with the exception of dolly who could not do so great violence to her feelings as to attend a wedding billy was not there but he sent a magnificent emerald ring to jerry with the following note dear jerry i can't see you married although i am glad for you and glad for hal god bless you both i shall never forget you as long as i live and when you come back maybe i can bear to see you as hal's wife but now it would kill me good-bye jerry read this note with wet eyes and then passed it to harold to whom she told of that episode under the butternut tree when billy asked her to be his wife i am awful sorry for him but i can't let him have you jerry harold said passing the note back to her and kissing her tenderly as he added that is my last for jerry tracy my little girl of the carpet-bag when i kiss you again you will be my wife come children we are waiting came with startling distinctness from arthur at the foot of the stairs and then harold and jerry went down to the parlor where they were soon made one arthur giving the bride away and behaving pretty well under the circumstances he had been very flighty the day before insisting that jerry should be married in white with a blue ribbon on her bonnet just as gretchen had been and when she reminded him of maud's recent death he replied well gretchen will wear colors if you don't and he brought out and laid upon his bed the dress which had been waiting for gretchen on that stormy night when he heard the wild cry of the dying woman above the wintry gale she was with him again in fancy and when he went out to the carriage which was to take him to the cottage he stepped back and stood a moment by the door as if to let some one enter before him and during the ceremony those nearest to him heard him whispering to himself i arthur take thee gretchen and so forth but when it was over he seemed perfectly rational as he kissed his daughter and shook hands with his son-in-law to whom he gave a check for ten thousand dollars saying as he did so that young men must have a little spending money it was a very pleasant wedding and every one seemed happy even to dick whose spirits however were rather too gay to be quite natural and whose voice shook a little as he called jerry mrs hastings and told her he hoped to see her in paris in the spring as he thought of going over there with nina to join the raymonds oh i hope you will nothing could make me so happy as to meet you there jerry said looking at him with an expression which told him she was thinking of the pines and was sorry for him the newly married pair were going directly to new york where arthur was to join them on the fourteenth as the germanic sailed the fifteenth 
all the wedding guests accompanied them to the station tom accepting a seat in the coupe with ann eliza who wore her two hundred dollar gown and was of course overdressed but tom did not think much about that he was ill at ease that morning though trying to seem natural and when the train which took jerry away disappeared from view he felt as if everything which had made life desirable had left him forever and he cared but little now what he did or with whom his lot was cast so when ann eliza said to him it is such a fine day suppose we drive along the river it may dispel the blues he assented and soon found himself bowling along the smooth turnpike with ann eliza whom he thought rather interesting with the tears shed for jerry on her long light eyelashes i shall miss her so much and be so lonely without her i hope you'll call often she said to him when at last the drive was over and tom promised that he would and kept his promise too for after arthur left he found tracy park so insupportably dull with his father always in maud's room and his mother always in tears that it was a relief to go to le bateau and be made much of as if he were a prince and treated to nice little lunches and suppers even if old peterkin did make one of the party and disgust him so at times that he felt as if he must snatch up his hat and fly and one night when the old man had been more than usually disagreeable and pompous he did start up abruptly and leave the house mentally vowing never to enter it again i'd rather saw wood than listen to that infernal old brag he was saying to himself when he heard a wheezy sound behind him and looking around saw the old brag in full pursuit and beckoning him to stop i'm going to walk a spell with you he said locking his arm in tom's as he came up i want to have a talk yes tom faltered with a dreadful sinking of the heart while peterkin went on you see you've been a-comin to lub or two off and on for mighty nigh a month and as the parent of a family it's time i asked your intentions intentions tom stammered trying to draw his arm from peterkin's but he might as well have tried to wrench it from a vice for peterkin held it fast and went on yes intentions thunderation ain't a chap supposed to have intentions when he hangs round a gal who has money like my ann liza i tell you what thomas and his manner became very insinuating and frank as nigh as i can calculate i'm worth three millions fair and square and there's three on em to divide it amongst may jane bill and ann liza now s'posen we say three's into three million don't it leave a million tom acknowledged that it did and peterkin continued jest so now i ain't one of them mean skunks that wants his folks to wait till he's dead afore they enjoys themselves and the day my aunt liza is married i plant down a million in hard cash for her and her husband to do what they darned pleased with cut a dash in europe as hal is doin if they like or cut a splurge to hum it's all one to me i call that square don't you tom admitted that he did and peterkin went on now then i ain't a-goin to have ann liza's affections trifled with and if i catch a feller a-doin it do you know what i'll do tom could not guess and peterkin continued i'll lick him within an inch of his life and then set the dogs on him and heave him into the river you see it was not a warm day but tom was perspiring at every pore as he saw presented to him the choice between a million or to be licked within an inch of his life and then dogged into the river naturally he chose the first as the lesser evil of the two and began to lie as he had never lied in his life before 
he was very glad he said that peterkin had broached the subject as it made matters easier for him by showing him that his suit would not be rejected as he had feared it might be you know of course mr peterkin he said that i am now a poor young man with no expectations whatever for though uncle arthur has settled something upon father i cannot depend upon that and how could i dare to look as high as your daughter without some encouragement encouragement boy great scott and releasing tom's arm peterkin hit him a friendly slap which nearly knocked him down great scott what do you call encouragement when a gal is so flustified at seein you that she tetters right up and down while her mother hunts heaven and earth for tidbits to tickle your palate with quail on toast mushrooms sweet breads and the lord knows what ain't that a sign they are willin thunder and guns what would you have and liza can't up and say marry me tom nor i can't up and say thomas marry my daughter can i but if you want to marry her say so like a man and i swan i'll meet you like a man and a father alas for tom he had nothing left him to do except to say that he wished to marry ann eliza and that he would come the next evening and tell her so it was peterkin who answered his ring when he presented himself at the door of le bateau peterkin more inflated and pompous than ever as he shook the young man's hand calling him thomas and telling him to go right into the parlour where he would find ann liza waitin for him and where they could bill and coo as much as they liked for he and may jane would keep out of the way and give him a chance even then tom cast one despairing glance toward the door with a half resolve to bolt but peterkin was behind him pushing him on to his fate which after all was not so very bad when he came to face it there was nothing low or mean or coarse about ann eliza who was by no means ill-looking as she stood up to receive her lover with a droop in her eyes and a flush on her cheeks for she knew the object of his visit into which he plunged at once he did not say that he loved her but he asked her in a straightforward way to be his wife and then waited for her answer which was not long in coming for ann eliza was no dissembler she loved tom tracy with her whole soul and felt herself honoured in being sought by him oh tom she said it does not seem possible for you to love me but if you really do i will be your wife and try to make you happy and-and she hesitated a moment and then went on save you as much as possible from father we cannot live here you and he would not get on he means well and is the kindest of fathers to me but he is not like you and we must go away she was really a very sensible girl tom thought and in his joy at finding her so sensible he stooped and kissed her forehead as the proper thing for him to do while she the poor little mistaken girl threw herself into his arms and began to cry she was so glad and happy tom did not know exactly what he ought to do it was a novel situation for him to be in with a girl sobbing on his bosom and his first impulse was to push her off but when he remembered that she represented a million of dollars he did what half the men in the world would have done in his place he held her close and tried to quiet her and told her he was not half good enough for her and knew in his heart he was telling the truth and felt within him the stirring of a resolve that she should never know he did not love her and that he would make her happy if he could and so they were betrothed and peterkin came in with may jane and made a speech half an hour long to his future son-in-law and settled just when they were to be married and what they were to do christmas week was the time and he vowed he'd give em a wedding which should take the starch entirely out of gusty brown whose mother mrs rossiter brown would think gusty was never married at all when she saw what he could do greatly he lamented that harold and jerry could not be present 
but they'll see it in the papers he said for i'll have a four-column notice if i write it myself and pay for it too and when you meet em in europe you can tell em what they missed to all this tom listened with great drops of cold sweat running down his back as he thought of the ridicule he should incur if peterkin carried out his intentions to take the rag off the bush as he expressed it the trip to europe pleased him but the party filled him with horror from which he saw no escape and he was anything but a happy man when he at last said good-bye to peterkin who slipped into his hand a cheque for two thousand dollars saying when he protested against taking it don't be a fool thomas i'm to be your dad so take it you'll need it i know your circumstances they ain't what they was and i don't s'pose you've got enough to buy the engagement ring i want a big one a solitary no cluster for me i know what tis to be poor take it thomas so tom took it with a sense of shame which prompted him several times to tear it in shreds and throw them to the winds but this he did not do for he knew he should need money as he had none of his own and when a few days before he had asked colvin for some that worthy man who had never taken kindly to him had bidden him go to a very warm place for money as he had no orders to give him any your uncle he said settled one hundred thousand dollars on your father the more fool he and expects him to live on it so my advice to you is that you go to work now tom couldn't work and after a little peterkin's gift did not seem so very humiliating to him although he could not bring himself to tell his mother of it when he announced his engagement to her which he did bluntly and with nothing apologetic in his manner or speech i am going to marry ann eliza peterkin some time during the holidays and start at once for europe he said and then brought some water and dashed it in her face for she immediately went into hysterics and declared herself dying when she grew calm tom swore a little and talked a good deal and told her about the million which he said was not to be sneezed at and told her what colvin had said to him and asked what the old harry he was to do if he didn't marry ann eliza and told her of the proposed party asking her to save him from it if she could when she found she could not help herself dolly rose to the situation and said she would see her daughter-in-law elect whom tom was to bring to her as she could not think of calling at le bateau in her present state of affliction so ann eliza came over and her mother came with her but the latter dolly declined to see she could not endure everything she said to tom and was only equal to ann eliza whom she met with a bow and the tips of her fingers without rising from her chair still as the representative of a million ann eliza was entitled to some consideration and dolly motioned her to a seat beside her and with her black-bordered handkerchief to her eyes said to her tom tells me that you are going to marry him and i trust you will try to make him happy he is a most estimable young man now and if he should develop any bad habits i shall think it owing to some new and bad influence brought to bear upon him yes um ann eliza answered timidly and the great lady went on to talk of family and blood and position as something for which money could not make amends and to impress upon the girl a sense of the great honour it was to be a member of the tracy family then she spoke of the wedding party which she trusted ann eliza would prevent as nothing could be in worse taste when they were in such affliction adding that neither herself nor mr tracy could think of being present be married quickly without any display if you wish to please me she said and with a wave of her handkerchief she signified that the conference was ended well annie how did you and my lady hit it tom asked meeting ann eliza in the hall as she came out flushed and hot from the interview we didn't hit it at all 
Eliza replied with a gleam in her eye which tom had never seen before she just talked as if i were dirt and that you were only marrying me for my money she don't like me and i don't like her there and the indignant little girl began to cry tom laughed immoderately and passing his arm around her as they went down the stairs he said of course you don't like her whoever did like her mother-in-law but you are marrying me not my mother so don't cry petite tom was making an effort to be very kind and even lover-like to his fiancée who was easily comforted and who on her return to le bateau told her father plainly that the party must be given up as it would be out of place and deeply offend the tracys very unwillingly peterkin gave it up and sent word to that effect to mrs rossiter brown who had already been apprised of the coming event and was having a wonderful gown made for the occasion i find he wrote that it wouldn't be at all rachel shay to have a blow-out whilst the family is in deep black but when they get into lavender and the young folks is home from their tower i'll have a terror peterkin tried two or three times to see mrs tracy but she put him off with one excuse after another until tom took the matter in hand and told her she was acting like a fool and putting on quite too many airs then she appointed an interview and bracing herself with a tonic went down to the darkened cheerless room and by her manner so managed to impress him with her superiority over him and his that he forgot entirely the speech he had prepared with infinite pains and which had in it a good deal about family bonds and family units and aaron's beard and brotherly love this he had rehearsed many times to may jane with wonderful gestures and flourishes but i'll be bumped he said to her on his return from the park-house if i didn't forget every blessed word she was so high and mighty lord as if i didn't know what she sprung from but that's the way with them as was born to nothing may jane if i ever catch you puttin on ears cause you're a peterkin i believe i'll kill you after this anything like familiar intercourse ceased between the heads of the two families until the morning after christmas day when frank and dolly drove over to le bateau where were assembled the same people who had been present at jerry's wedding and where peterkin insisted upon darkening the rooms and lighting the gas as something a little out of the usual order of things in shannondale peterkin was very happy and very proud of this alliance with the tracys and his pride and happiness shone in his face all through the ceremony and when the clergyman asked who giveth this woman to be married to this man his manner was something grand to see as he stepped forward and responded i do sir in a voice so loud and full of importance that dolly involuntarily groaned while tom found it hard to refrain from laughing tom behaved very well and kissed his bride before any one else had a chance to do so and called may jane mother and peterkin father after he saw the papers which made ann eliza possessor in her own right of a million dollars and when an hour later she handed over to him as his own a deed of property valued at one hundred thousand dollars he took her in his arms and kissed her again telling her what was very true that she was worth her weight in gold tom had felt his poverty keenly and all the more so that ann eliza's engagement ring a superb solitaire had been bought with her father's gift as had their passage tickets to europe but now he was a rich man made so by his wife's thoughtful generosity and he was conscious of a new set of feelings and emotions with regard to her and inwardly vowed that he would make her happy they took the train for new york that afternoon accompanied by peterkin who when the ship sailed away next day stood upon the wharf waving his hands and calling out as long as they could hear him god bless you my children god bless you my children 
then he went back to shannondale and called at tracy park and reported to frank that the youngsters had gone and that mrs thomas tracy looked as well as the best on em in the ship and a darn sight better than some after this the great houses of le bateau and tracy park settled down into perfect quiet especially that of tracy park where dolly shut herself up in her mourning and crape and frank spent most of his time in maud's room with her photograph in his hand and his thoughts busy with memories of the dear little girl lying in her grave of flowers under the winter snow End of chapter fifty two